Hi, thanks for listening to Extreme Encounter Ministries podcast. We pray that you are blessed and challenged through this time and through this teaching. God bless you, and thanks again for listening. I shall not want. And that word want in Hebrew means this. You've got to get this because the fullness of God is inside of you as a believer. And that word want means this. You shall not lack. The only thing you lack is lack. (laughs) It means this. Please look it up. It means fail. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fail. Falling down doesn't mean failing, it means I get to learn. It's an opportunity to be taught. Are you looking for those teachable opportunities in your life? Because those mess-ups can be teachable opportunities. Um, if, if, a, if a message or a sermon um, seeks to expose indwelling sin in the saint instead of um, indwelling son in the saint, then it's not the gospel. It's not the good news. Do you hear me? Because now the great exchange has taken place. Jesus became my sin so that I could become his righteousness. And so now we speak to your identity in who you are in Christ. Okay, just ponder. I get it. I get your quietness is because you're pondering what I'm saying. You are not sinful. You are sonful. (laughs) The fullness of God dwells in you. Everything that God has is in you. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. The gospel does not exist to help you um, better manage your sins. The good news does not exist so that you can better manage your shortcomings and your sins and, and equip you with the means to clean yourself up. No, the gospel is the declaration that your sins have been put away, demolished, forgotten. Paul said it this way, old things have what? Passed away. And then he said, behold, or you've got to look at this, he says. All things have become new. We've got to get the revelation of the newness of the cross. We've got to get the revelation of our identity in him. Ephesians says it this way, that he raised us up and seated him with with himself or within himself in heavenly places. That you have been hidden in Christ. What does that mean? That when God looks at you, he sees Jesus because Jesus is your resting place. Are you weary? Are you tired? God doesn't 
give you rest. No, God is rest. And we are hidden in that place of rest in him. That in the midst of the most tumultuous times and the, the strongest storms that tend to rage, that you find rest because you, my friend, are hidden in Christ. And old things have passed away, and all things have become new. You're hidden in Him. Good news. As we, as we pray and as we seek God, the name of Jesus is, is not a magic word. Jesus, 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 if I say it enough. But it's your certificate of adoption, if you will. It's not akin to abracadabra and you say the name and some magical thing takes place or you plead the blood and somehow something miraculous takes place. But no, it's your right, it's your legal right to cry out, Abba, Father. And we find ourselves in that, in, in, in that secret place. And Brendan Manning said it this way, that we, we inhale Abba and we exhale I belong to you. And this is now our secret identity, that we're hidden in Christ. We're hidden in Christ. That's the power that you need to overcome because he already overcame This would stop God's people from hanging their heads in disgust with themselves when they understand that you are the beautiful Jesus now. It's your identity. Jesus, God's head turned because of sin and he couldn't look at it. He doesn't turn his head anymore because he sees you as righteous. The problem is not how God sees you. The problem is not your identity. The problem is how you see yourself. And the reason that we sin or we do these things that we ought not do is because we forget what we look like. We forget that there's an exchange that takes place, that that stuff that once defined me, Jesus took it upon himself. The perfect spotless lamb became every spot and blemish that I could ever have on that cross. And he said, now you are my righteousness. That's why it's called amazing grace. And in your ears, how sweet the sound What a travesty that we'd say, well, I'm just a sinner. Never settle for the message of sin management. Rather, feast continually upon the glad message of a buried Adam and a resurrected Christ. I get it, folks. For the longest time, I didn't want to accept the good news. But it's good news. Just because it rubs us the wrong way. 
and it bothers us. That it, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be more that I have to do. There's got to be more. That's pride. Take it out of your hands. Everything that could be done, it's all about him. Do you see that? It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. He did it. God gets all the glory. And he's okay with you receiving and reaping the benefits of his goodness. You can experience goodness in this life. And it's okay with him. He gets all the glory. You get his goodness. In the midst of, I don't know how to use, I don't even know how to use the right words anymore. I find myself weighing my every word, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad, because I think that we need to be careful and mindful and accountable for what we say, but at the same time, we can, we can get into an area of fear that I'm afraid to say things. So in that struggle of trying to say the right words, um, but in the, the, your personal time of, let's say it this way, of struggle, of, 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 of trial. Do you ever have those times where you struggle? Hear me say this. Whatever your negative things or your negative thoughts or whatever you're, you're feeling in those times of struggle, whatever the thoughts the enemy is planting in your head, do not be shaken. Press onward. In the midst of your struggle, I will say this, even in the midst of your falling down, get up and press on. And don't give up. The knowledge of who we are in Christ, a brand new creation, is more than enough to override the lies of the devil, the defeated devil, I might add. His word, Scripture tells us, is a, a lamp to our feet, and it shines boldly into that darkness of, of sin and, dese- and, de- and deceit, revealing the truth of who you are. It's really what the light does, is it reveals who you are. We always think that the light exposes the darkness in us. No, the light exposes who you are. It can't expose darkness, because light and darkness can't exist together. Turn the lights on and find out. It exposes who you are. It it enables you to look into that mirror, the perfect law of liberty, and see who you are. And the light comes to expose who you are. We talked about this, and and just I'm backtracking. I'm gonna I'm gonna be quick. Got till three. (laughs) What was I saying? Trying to be funny, and then I. I digress. The light exposes. What else was I saying? Oh, oh, we, we are viewed this way, and I've preached this before. Is it okay to correct yourself? Or are we just strong-headed and full of pride that we can never be wrong? I've been wrong many, many, many times, numerous times. 
And if I'm wrong now, come challenge me on this. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of being wrong. I'm not afraid of you challenging me and we find out in the Holy Spirit. And then I say in front of everyone, hey, guess what? Vicky just came and showed this and I was wrong. I have no problem with that. But I have taught this before because Jeremiah says this, that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Doesn't it say that? He says, we have a deceitful heart. That's what I've taught. That's what Jeremiah says. Jesus himself, and I'm obviously paraphrasing. I don't remember where it was at. I think, I think it's in John that Jesus says that out of the heart flows all these ugly things, right? Do you remember Jesus said that? It was all before the cross. So then we find Jesus speaking prophetically from the book of Isaiah about himself, and he says this, I have come to mend the brokenhearted. Jesus was saying, I came to fix the Jeremiah deceitful heart. And if he fixes it, it means it's not deceitful anymore. So you don't walk around in in doom and gloom and condemnation because you think you have a deceitful heart. Who can know it? Do you really think that our God wants us to walk around without a surety? Oh, God, I just can't trust what I'm feeling. Now, listen, we've had wrong feelings, and I get it. And I get that. And we don't, we don't live by our feelings. But we've go, gone so far to the other end of the spectrum that we don't feel God because of it. His presence is so strong and so tangible, but because, oh, I have a deceitful heart, I can't respond emotionally right now. Because I'm not driven, it's not about emotions. He, he, he says, it, it, was, it's, it also says in Ezekiel that he takes out that heart of stone, does it not? He's speaking prophetically of the work of the cross, and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. It denotes the idea that a heart that can respond to the awesome love of God. He puts inside of you a heart now of flesh that can respond. So it's no longer a deceitful heart. Jesus fixed that on the cross and gave you a brand new heart. Do you know why you can start trusting yourself? Because you are hidden in Christ. Scary thing, isn't it? We've used it, really, it's almost been like a crutch. My heart, so I don't have to trust. I don't really have to do anything because I can't trust anything that I do anyways. Because <laughs> I'm deceitful. My heart's deceitful. No, it's not. Your righteousness is not determined by your efforts and certainly not determined even by your emotions. Your father... The king of the universe has the last word. Daddy has the last word concerning you. He has the last word over this preacher and any preacher in any pulpit. He has the last word concerning you and how he sees you. You are This is how daddy sees you now. You are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. You are forgiven. You are complete. You are washed in the blood. You are filled with the fullness of God. You have become just as Jesus is in his glory. That's who you are. devil 
is a liar. Scripture tells us that he is not just a liar, but he's the father of lies. Every lie that's birthed is from the devil. Patiently waits for a moment of weakness to deceive us with religious striving. Because he wants to be God and he put himself in the position of being God and that's what got him booted out. It's still his objective. And just like God sees you and he wants you to be defined as he sees you, so does the devil. So, in other words, the enemy's objective is God sees you as Jesus, the devil sees you as himself, which is judged, driven out, condemned, destroyed, disarmed. That is his description, not yours. In fact, you are judged. You want to hear about God's judgment? God has judged you. When you come to Christ, God is still the judge. And a judgment is not always a bad thing. If you've ever gone to court before and the court decided in your favor, that's a judgment. Now God judges you as righteous. God judges you as Jesus. It's not my opinion. It's the gospel. It's the good news. (laughs) You've been judged as righteous. He's, the enemy's desperate to reproduce his image in us. (laughs) He wants us to believe we're just like him. That we're judged, we're driven out, we're condemned, we're destroyed, and we're disarmed, and we have no power. Remember, the Lord is your shepherd. You have no lack. You are not missing anything in your life. But I, well, I don't have this. I don't know what you're talking about. Absolute fulfillment in Christ. Hidden in him. <laughs> it's enough. Enough. It's no matter how many times you've quote unquote fallen, get up, get up and, and move forward. The devil has nothing in you. You are of your father, God. First John chapter 5, verse 8. The New Century Version says this. We Know that those who are God's children do not continue to sin. The Son of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot touch them. That's the Bible. You get that, right? That's not my opinion. Well, it is my opinion, but it's the Bible. We feverishly strive and are striving to hear me, hear me because I've even taught them not that long ago to love the Lord with all their heart 
There's a striving to love the Lord with all their heart and to love their neighbor as themselves. A lot of times, or very few, realize that this is an old covenant command. Which new covenant believers, listen, hear me, are not obliged to keep. On the contrary, we love by the impulse of the Spirit of God within. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit inside of you is that love. There's no striving to, I gotta love God with all my heart. I just, I messed up, so obviously I'm not loving Him with all my heart. And dear God, the second part, Love your neighbor as yourself? Tell me we don't strive to keep that. That's all, all been fulfilled. The striving to love God and to love people was taken care of. There's no striving anymore. It's a produced fruit in the heart of a righteous man, which is what you are. You bunch of saints. Saints. Oh. You, ever, you ever not feel very saintly? <laughs> Man, despite despite his furious efforts, could not escape the prison of um, how's to say it, the Adamic brokenness that imprisoned us, that we were born into. We were born into an Adamic an Ad Adamic Brokenness. We were born into that brokenness. And man tried to overcome that with strict adherence to religious laws. Are we to believe then because of that, that the redeemed new creation can so easily escape the prison of Christ's righteousness through the acts of human weakness? so strong. His grace is so strong and gripping. You're locked up tight. Safe and secure in the confines of God himself. Hidden in Christ. The blood of Jesus is neither a magic potion. We said this the other day or a things called a talisman to, to ward off the evil. Rather, his blood is the it's the forensic evidence of Adam's 
untimely death as well as the blood of new life present at the birth of a new and a redeemed creation, which is what we are. Let us never, ever cheapen the power of his blood by the addition of superstition and hocus-pocus, because sometimes that's how we treat it. His blood is not something, well, I won't say that, but it's the evidence that your sins are dead. His blood is not a charm to be worn, but the substance through which we have been reborn. And a new creation, it's, it's something that they couldn't really define it because it's never been before. And so and when you become born again, you are a, a picture of something that has never existed, brand new. Brand spanking new is what we are because of the blood. We've been reborn. We've been regened. The work of Christ, and we talk about the work of the cross so much, it's like that's where he always takes me. But you know what? Paul said it too. So I guess I'm in good company. He said, I, I know nothing except Christ and him crucified. We can never go wrong when our focus is the cross. We can never go wrong when we focus on the work of the cross. It's, it's not a supplemental truth. The work of the cross is not a supplemental truth found in the appendix of God's book. But it's more of a once upon a time <laughs> in the beauty of God's story. It's the foundation on everything that the story is built. Once upon a time, Jesus became my sin so that I could become his righteousness. Like I'm contradicting, but mysteriously it's also the end which concludes, wraps up, and finishes the tale. So from the beginning, it's Christ and him crucified and in the very end, guess what? It's all about the cross. It's the work of Christ and the work of the cross. The beautiful thing is, guess what? The finished work of the cross is not the nails. It's you. You are the finished work of the cross. <laughs> Jesus said it is finished. Which is why now I stand complete in him, lacking nothing. Religion wants to tell you that you lack. You lack. You strive. Be sin conscious. You strive. But the work of the cross says I'm complete in him. Go back to the 80s. I'm complete, complete, complete in him. Remember that one? We had no idea what it meant. I am complete in him. Do you remember that? I'm complete, complete, complete in him. Does anyone ever remember that one? I am the righteousness of God for Jesus rose again. I am the, and you had to do the, you know, charismatic two-step. 
complete, complete, complete. And then, if you were real spiritual, you could do this. Not just up, but back and forth. Which is kind of like rubbing your belly and patting your head. I'm complete, complete. You knew that you were in the glory then, when you were... The work that Christ accomplished is, it's not a secondary truth or a plan hatched in response. Listen to me. It's not a plan that was hatched in response to Adam's failure. Rather, it is the alpha, the beginning, the most original of all of God's thoughts concerning us. It was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Redemption was always the heart of God. On the same hand, he's the omega. It's the end, the final word concerning who we are and what our destiny is. He's the alpha. The beginning of your destiny is this, that you are brand new because of the cross. It's also the ending, the omega. And the final word is this, that regardless of where you've been or what you've done, it's you are brand new because of the cross. His work. You get it when I say that, right? The work on the cross or what he accomplished on the cross was not a response. Listen. It was not a response to a problem. It wasn't even necessarily a reaction to an unforeseen circumstance. Jesus Christ in his finished work was and is the eternal plan of God. It is the in the beginning and the happily ever after. God's first and final thought concerning us. Once upon a time and happily ever after. We've dismissed that thinking because we've been so beat down by our sins, our mistakes. We've been so beat down by the establishment. We could never imagine that life is really intended to be. It's not pie-in-the-sky thinking. Maybe it is, but maybe that's the kind of thinking we need to have, that life is intended to be once upon a time and happily ever after. That's the intention of God concerning his creation. And once upon a time and happily ever after... are not because you have all the things that you think life has to offer. It's because you're complete in Him. And you're satisfied because you're complete in Him. You're satisfied because the striving has been dealt with. I view any striving is probably the road to Golgotha. There was lots of striving when Jesus Christ carried that cross on His back. I think the whole picture from beginning to end is, a, is, is how he dealt with our stuff today. That our desire to strive was dealt with as Jesus strove, strived, strove, strived, striven, stroven. <laughs> I'm schooled. I don't know. Down, down the road. 
All the striving. Come on, some of you are smarter than me. Tell me, what is it? Striven? <laughs> Stroven. Strived? Okay, you guys aren't helping me. I love you, but it's okay. All the striving. All the peace was taken care of. Everything that made for your peace was taken care of. Scripture tells us, and I believe it's a picture, because where do we need peace? It's right here. It's right here. This is that thing that keeps us up at night. All the striving. You can be like your body just totally just dead to the world, but you just keep striving right here. Scripture says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. I believe that's a picture of the crown of thorns. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Peace now to you. Because you're complete, guess what? You get peace now too. Peace is not because your circumstances are all right or you've never had anything bad happen in your life. In fact, that's why scripture calls it peace that what? Passes understanding. Like someone says something to you, you don't say, oh, that passes my understanding. It means this, makes no sense. It's peace when you shouldn't have peace. That's what we tap into. That's what's mine. I want it. That's mine. That's mine. Does that sound selfish? He gets all the glory, but that's mine. That peace, that's mine. I get to have that. Yeah. I'm almost done. We just accept and we just love God. It's not a striving to love Him, but the fruit of His Spirit within us causes us to love Him. It's not a striving to love people, but it's the fruit, it's the evidence of His Spirit in me that I'm able to love. It is the evidence. In fact, that's why John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. So we know that that's evidence of Holy Spirit is how we love each other. Let me just say this. Just went quickened in my spirit. If you're holding on to anything against anyone, uh, it would behoove you to let go of it. Really, no, but no, don't, don't. Justice is not that they make it right with you. When we understand the completed work of the cross, justice was served on the cross. It takes the pressure off. Unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting it to kill someone else. We love each other. One of the funniest things that God ever pulled a fast one <laughs> within his family is taking away two choices he took away two choices from us who we chose and accepted as family and whether we love them or not he took those choices away he's like no this is my family 
Because really, honestly, sometimes if it was like we talk about the bodies being family, it's not the confines of these four walls. It's across the street. That's where we begin to struggle. The Catholics, you know how much problems they've caused? If they've received Jesus into their heart, then they're, they're your family. That choice has been taken away from you. Also, whether you choose to love them or not, you have no choice. So sneaky, God. If it was a choice, sometimes, and I do love you, sometimes it would be just me here. And you're saying sometimes the pulpit would be empty. That's right. That's woo, amen to that one. Preach it. Now you're preaching, Pastor. I'm almost done. Whether we love them or not, once translated into his kingdom, that's family. (laughs) That's it. The option to love them is exactly that. Unconditional, regardless of personal bias. And I believe that God, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. He laughs as we work it out with this spiritual law called freedom. As we try to work this stuff out. (laughs) There's not a moment that God wrings his hands concerning any situation that you're in. Can I tell you this? Think of the worst thing that anyone has done to you. No, let's not. That's not fun. Guess what? God doesn't pick sides. Yes, he's about right and wrong, but he doesn't pick sides. He doesn't come over here and say, oh, I'm just going to love you. And No, he just loves. <laughs> You'll get that. You'll appreciate that one more when you're the one that's wrong. You'll appreciate that one a little bit more. We pray the Holy Spirit has ministered to your heart. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our ministry, visit us at extremeencounter.org.